He'll come back for the second. India have won the test match. India have won the series. They're going to get back for two. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the ATO and All Out podcast. This is Siddhartha Vaidyanathan at Sidvi on Twitter. And today I'm joined by the regular crew, Ashoka, Mahesh and Kartikeya. I'll link their Twitter handles. I'll link Kartikeya's Substack. Most of you who are regular listeners are familiar with uh, the crew. Uh, this is basically, before we start, usual reminder, uh, Cricket Beyond the Bazaar by Mike Coward, recently republished by... 81 All Out. It was published first in 1990, went out of print, uh, and then now we've brought it back through our publishing imprint. This is the second book we're coming out with after Mike Marquez's book, War Minus the Shooting, about the 1996 World Cup. Both books are available on Amazon, and I'll, uh, it's available on Flipkart in India, too. I'll put all the links there. Please pick it up. They're both classic works of cricket literature, and uh, you'll gain a lot by reading it, reading them. Anyway, so uh, in this particular episode, again, we're not talking about any particular match or series, as we sometimes do. We end up reviewing and previewing series. But this time, it's much more of a a featurey topic, given that we are in the T20 season or T20 era, we may say, given the number of T20s people are playing these days. There's the Asia Cup that's uh, going on. There's um, the World Cup. The world uh, T20 World Cup that is going to be played. So a lot of T20, and so I thought it'll be interesting to talk about this uh, idea that I first read uh, when in a piece by Kartikeya uh, quite a while back. And this is something that Kartikeya has been talking about for uh, over a decade now about how the uh, you know the approach of batters in T20 uh, is uh, the, the the traditional approach doesn't necessarily work for batters in T20 and how he divides uh, players into batters and hitters, you know, in in a sense to figure out uh, who is a good batter and who is a good hitter and who is suited to the format and who ends up optimally playing well in T20. So, Karthikeya, maybe I can get you started to give us a brief gist of that and then we can take it from there about the various aspects of this uh, okay well uh, so this is entirely a plot to like put me on the spot huh? no it is a way to basically <laughs> tell you to explain your theory and then completely demolish it and disagree with it okay yes. uh, <laughs> and that uh, that i can deal with that's normal no firstly there aren't like batters and hitters there's batting and hitting and different people try to do it and different people don't try to do it. You know, and basically batting as it is understood traditionally by everybody is the art of accumulating runs. Okay? The, there is a basic assumption when, it, when we speak of batting that the batter has a abiding interest in not getting out. So the kinds of shots the batter plays, what is considered a good shot, what is considered a bad shot, what is considered a good risk, what is considered a bad risk, what is considered a good ball, what is considered a bad ball. All of this is determined or all of this is shaped by uh, this basic premise that the batter does not want to get out and the batter wants to keep accumulating runs. And 
the bigger the score the better the bat uh, the better the batting so the conventional wisdom goes right uh, or the longer the innings the better the batter has played or the longer the batter has survived and you know the better it is for the batter's team uh and that's batting but in t20 because you know t20 is a is a game of efficiency you know like all limited overs games like even odi cricket is a game of efficiency but it's 50 overs and t20 is only 20 overs so it's even more sort of acutely a game of efficiency uh the imperative in t20 is different the imperative in t20 is not for the batter to survive as long as he can but to exploit each delivery as much as he can right so you know whereas in test cricket which you might think of as a game of control the idea is to survive as long as you can right and accumulate runs in the process so it's basically a, a hitting is the art of exploiting each delivery as much as you can to extract as many runs as you can and not really caring about getting dismissed you know uh, and there are sort of other aspects uh, of 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 this distinction which one can draw but this is the basic distinction now odi cricket is an interesting in between format you know where there are parts of odi games and there used to be especially with the new ball uh, and as even today with two new balls in some parts of the world where there are parts of the odi game where batting is useful and there are other parts of the odi game where hitting is useful so in odi cricket you see a little bit of both uh, coming into play and being used with there are 300 balls for 10 wickets whereas in t20 cricket with only 120 balls for 10 wickets there isn't really any scope for batting you know you basically need hitting you know so this is something that uh, has been emerging in t20 cricket for the last over the last decade and you know in the leagues i think they are much further ahead of the the international sides because their imperatives in the leagues are different i mean the international sides are still dominated by you know the predisposition to pick the big stars like you know uh australia will still pick steve smith in their t20 side until recently and india will still pick kohli and australia and new zealand will still pick williamson uh whereas and pakistan t20 have to pick uh, babar azam yeah. yeah and and in 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 the leagues firstly they don't all have that luxury you know they don't have that there aren't that many really elite batters in the world so but they also have this that that's also why they are far more efficient and far more progressive i think than the international sites and now i think the international sites are picking up you know i think england have been at the, at the forefront i think west indies were the pioneers in this much as they were pioneers in one day cricket but though i think that is overplayed a little bit i think viv richard sort of made it look like the west indies were pioneers in in, in sort of the no they were clive lloyd was a quite a pioneer yeah yeah and and some of that also came from their experience of playing a lot of 40 and 60 over cricket in england uh, all their oh, players yeah. so yeah no yeah. That, that's uh, that's a great uh, start uh, setup and uh, you know firstly we must mention that you know back in you know the early days of t20 there was this whole way to compare it to test cricket and one day cricket and to try and talk about it in the vocabulary of tests and you know i mean we have famous cases of uh, the royal challengers bangalore picking pretty much a test team for their first season of the ipl with uh, wasim jafar uh, chandapal david and callis 
I mean, it, it now we look back at it as a joke. I mean, even then it was a bit of a joke. But, uh, you know, uh, the fact is that, and Karthika has been writing about it for since ever, is that, you know, the intrinsic logic of T20 is that you have a lot of resources with very limited time and overs. So the it's but obvious that your approach has to be uh, different and the game itself is different. It's structured differently than a one-day game or a test uh, contest. So that, is the, that I think is very, okay, that is widely accepted now and people are not talking about T20 the way they used to say in 2010 or 11 or something. They're talking about it pretty much like a different sport. Sorry? Or even in 2019 or 20 or anything. I mean, India were not talking about T20 in this way until recently. Yeah, uh, basically India started playing T20 this year. That's when, yeah. this is the year they started playing the format. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in so, international T20 is not really that serious. No, I mean, it, until recently, it's still been sort of the, you know, the thing that teams do on test tours on the side after the test matches are over. You know, and it's like uh, the big players go away, and then you know the the the, the marginal players come in. Specialists. It's, yeah, it's only recently, actually, one of the interesting developments is that only recently that the T20 uh, international sides are beginning to pick T20 sides and sending them on tour while the test team is also on tour. So. You know that that's that's begun to happen. So the T20 international T20 is acquiring its own identity. You know, otherwise it was in the early World Cups. It was just considered like a miniature ODI World Cup in in a in a sense. You know, and not a lot of teams uh, didn't really compete in T20 as T20. You know. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is the chance to bring up the fact that until 2006. Uh, India didn't even think that, you know, the format was worthy of uh, having anything to do with. I mean, they went to the extent of, you know, uh, saying uh, even going to the extent of saying that they won't take part in the first edition of the World Cup, which they eventually ended up winning. But there was a time when they said they won't uh, uh, even take part in it because they didn't consider the format even worthy of uh, being recognized. So, yeah, important thing to remember when we talk about the history of the format. Um, yes, so the other two guests have been silent so far, but please come in with your thoughts. I mean, this is all broad thoughts. I mean, we can get into the specifics later. But yeah, uh, I kind of broadly agree with uh, Karthikeya, so, which is shocking. But yeah, his premise is all much, I mean, fine. Uh, I mean, when the 2007 World Cup happened on... I mean, Misba single-handedly led the T20 revolution in India. Without him, I, I don't think T20 would have been, you know, as popular. No, as no. I, to be fair, the IPL was announced before that final. So, I think uh, it would have become big anyway. But yeah, there is, uh, it became much more popular very soon. Thanks yeah. to Misba. The, yeah, Misba. It, it, he, I think he's the father of Indian T20. So, <laughs> If you if you want a nice quote, <laughs> don't forget Srishant, man. He's in the first opening credits of our eighty-one all-out yeah. music. What is this? <laughs> yeah, but six of four balls, and he's just lapping it to Srishant. So anyway, so but even in that World Cup, you can see that it was they were not very serious actually, uh, uh, because the way to resolve ties was bowlers, if you remember. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so it had, yeah, and we India won a T20 match against Pakistan 3-0 or something. So 
the the score cards and everything was so bizarre at that point in time nobody was much sure uh, but the the idea was right i mean uh, the point was like hit and giggle but hitting became much more serious down the line like there was a good value of hitters though people were not very ready to recognize that uh, t20 in itself was a, like a batsman heavy game the batting team had too many resources for 120 balls so uh, in order to see that uh, every batter has an average of 12 balls to you know come and do his job and get out so that that uh, philosophy i think west indies started recognizing it though in a roundabout way because they didn't care about singles or uh, you know uh, twos or threes they were much interested in how much boundaries could you score in those 120 so so yeah right now right now teams are being serious about it even in the ipl you could see uh, even in the auctions you could see how all rounders and most uh, importantly all rounders who could hit quite far were valued more than you know traditional batsmen in the auctions the dynamics of who the teams picked changed so that was an indication that teams are learning more people are learning how how t20s should function what is the optimal way of constructing a team so it's no longer just a minority saying that yeah uh, you know uh, batting teams previously were a little bit conservative uh, and to the to, to the point where i just i was just looking at uh, strike rates Yuraj and uh, Raina, we think of them as like limited over specialists and like they were, they had a lot of memorable T20 moments, but their strike rate is like 128 and 130 odds respectively, which today would be, look, I mean, is what KL Rahul does. And we are very displeased with KL Rahul for doing it for Kings 11 Punjab at least. So yeah, I mean, T20 paradigm and thinking has shifted a lot. So to that extent, I do agree with KD, uh, but KD has some crazy theories about utilization of resources and how a batsman is not useful after a certain number of balls. All those nonsense I do not agree with, but let him come to that. Let him, let's finish the opening first. Wait, about the Raina and Yuvraj point, how much better were they to their uh, to the people who were playing the format at that time? If, that, if they were better, then they were still, you can consider them well, uh, well, Gale was playing still. I mean, Gale was playing. And Raina played a AB. long time, so he was playing alongside some T20. AB Gale. Yeah, his his strike rate is like one thirty seven. Yeah, over like three hundred and thirty six matches. Uh, Yuvraj is out of two hundred and thirty one matches. His strike rate is one twenty eight. So, so yeah, those are not stellar ones, but. Uh, I guess that's how the game evolved. Now, if you have a 128 and 130 uh, strike rate, people will think twice before putting in a middle order, unless you are like a good bowler and you can fill in that number eight slot or something. You will not be a number five, number six batsman with that kind of a strike rate. Okay. For instance, what is the strike? What is a strike rate like? Someone like Tevatya have Rahul Tevatya. Yeah, he has 143. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so that's better than them, and he bowls. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. With a one twenty eight strike rate, you being in the top five or top six is kind of is an idea. Maybe if there are no resources or whatnot, maybe you'll be there. Or if they have a specific plan as an outdated plan as one anchor who's batting through the innings at the top of the order like Barber and everybody else 
scoring around that person maybe then there is a value to having that kind of a player there but i think yeah over the years 140 seems to be the default strike rate everybody is aiming for and 140 150 yeah i've always found it amusing that uh, the t20 kind of took shape in the way that it did right like if you remember all the first of all i'm just curious on what made cricket or whoever that marketing research guy in ecb who did the survey and came out of this format uh, arrive at because every other uh, trial at a new format an inventive adventurous format in cricket did not involve allocating the same resource for a, for a shorter contest as a 50 over game right so like if you think of hong kong sixers or there was the super eights and there was max cricket that uh, that martin crow invented or even double wicket contest for instance you saw people scoring at a disproportionately faster pace than they were doing in one day cricket in all these formats and in fact you you know the kind of team that india sent for hong kong sixers was atul wasan rohan gavaskar robin singh you know like it was just atul bedade it was not nothing to do with the mainstream indian team at all right so to me one it is quite unique for t20 that there is a first time where cricket tried to tweak a contest into a shorter than a full length one day match and still gave 10 wickets which itself was unique and do I, i also think that cricket is like you know when you were mentioning rcb for instance or or even traditional batsmen i would like to believe and and kerry started the podcast by distinguishing between you know batsmen versus hitters versus batting versus hitting and that's an important distinction i would like to believe that uh, you know for a for a good one day batsman or for a good test and one day batsman t20 should have been in a liberating format where they didn't have to care about getting out and they would have just gone hammer and tongs so i'm i'm just a little bit puzzled that it didn't start out in this way even in like in the in the mid 2000s when it started right like logically every good one day batsman should have tried to score at 160 170 i think sehwag probably did uh, uh not 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 at that strike rate but but higher than most others i'm saying everybody should have done that i'm just surprised that they didn't do it perhaps is is it because there was just too much money at stake uh, you know like all of a sudden ip or or t20 was the only format which was a cute adventurous sort of attempt at you know a new format which also took itself seriously right like hong kong sixers didn't take itself seriously super eight didn't take itself seriously max didn't take itself seriously double wicket i, I took itself. hong kong sixers very seriously so no <laughs> you, i mean <laughs> even I, sure even i did right but i'm just saying cricket did not take itself seriously yeah, like you know okay. the, you want a legend in hong kong sixers or anything no no the, i have seen double wicket uh, tournaments where couple they scored the same four sixes that he scored of having right like there was a similar sort of setup and he did almost a replication of that nobody talks about it because it is just fun and giggle right nobody took it seriously but and it was not a lords also yeah it is not a lords but the lord was still lord which is kd <laughs> the other kd so t20 had this problem of first taking itself seriously throwing so much money at it therefore cricketers took themselves seriously perhaps that probably inhibited them from exploring their full hitting range that's one one point i wanted to make the other one also suited the administrators a lot that batsmen tended to do a little bit of batting because in the initial stage see now t20 is evolved a lot right but in the initial stage a lot of the audience that it was getting was not because of the fact that it is going to provide you a uh, a uh, a compressed sort of uh, period of hitting or something right it was just all superstars in one place and if you are there to watch a superstar like i remember there was this opening partnership between sachin and jayasurya 
in the early days of IPL. I think they smashed Ishan Sharma out of the attack, if I remember right. You know, I vaguely remember this as a spectacular partnership. Recently, I went back and checked. I mean, it's okay. It was entertaining to watch, but not a significant T20 landmark or something, right? So I'm just saying that it suited the administrators that all these batsmen batting brought a lot of credibility to the format, brought a lot of initial sort of uh, switch from the from the traditional followers of the game to this, and and they're like they're probably getting enough runway right now for them to ignore Kohli and Rohit Sharma and all those guys and move on and and go go and move into hitting uh, in the future. But there's no doubt that that the game and the riches or the boards benefited from. batsman moving over and batting in this format even though it is suboptimal for the format that was meant to be and back in 2008 and 9 also it was a way in which to bring the dream teams into reality right i mean mm-hmm. you're basically thinking of sachin and jaisuriya in one team in your dream team but you actually see it happen in a t20 so more than the actual game itself people were looking at this as oh these two greats are opening together and let's see what they do and then even if they scored at 100 strike rate people were like wow it's just uh, so stunning to watch and all anyway so yeah this this is all for the uh, it's a sort of good background and good history and all that so kartikeya anything to comment on this uh, these two what what we have all been saying well i mean the the whole point of t20 was that it was it was it was designed to look like cricket now that was why that that was the whole marketing spiel behind it you know it, it, the 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 premise was that people wanted a shankan form of cricket which would fit in one evening so none of the laws were changed not even it was not the over quotas were not even changed you know in odi you had you know uh, 10 overs each and 50 overs and all in you know, t20 you have four overs each and 20 overs and all uh you know you have a <laughs> slightly longer power play uh but even that i mean you had 15 overs of power play or out of 50 overs in odis and you have 6 out of 20 so that's you know pretty close uh everything was designed so that you know you have 10 wickets in both uh everything was designed so that you know it was basically cricket as people would recognize it you know and that was a one of the things which uh, you know is not the case with a double wicket tournament or with this you know max cricket you know the martin pro uh, design yeah game. which is basically now become like that 60 i think that they're playing in uh, west indies now similar to max cricket yeah yeah so they the whole point of t20 was that you know it should not look unfamiliar to the public you know and it was wildly successful i mean it, it is a commercially it is a very clever design you know uh the it, it and it led to a lot of this uh, you know spurious sort of uh, uh commentary you know where you know people are saying oh well you get to see jack callis against anil kumble uh, and you know the, the whole thing last three balls you know that's not really jack callis versus anil kumble no? I mean, that's something completely different but it took a long time for people to sort of be able to describe what it was that was going on <coughs> you know the the other thing i wanted to say was that the 137 with raina is not is is sort of half the story the other half of the story is that he gets out every 23 balls which is a good which is much better than getting out every 30 balls uh 
you know, because it means that he gets to that 137 strike rate much quicker than a guy who lasts 30 balls uh, per dismissal. You know, so it, that that is where the efficiency comes in. You no, know? I mean, it, the, the whole point of T20 is that if in T20 is scoring at 135 and averaging 50 is worse than scoring at 135 and averaging 25. You know, uh, because you you're getting you're getting you're scoring quicker earlier in your innings in the in the second case than in the first case. You know, so you're you're wasting fewer deliveries. You know, and this is the second part of the whole sort of control versus efficiency. You see, w- once you start thinking in terms of efficiency, then you have to start thinking in terms of well, is the batter doing something that the bowling side is not conceding? You know, when the bowling side is putting five fielders on the boundary for as much as they can, and they when they are defending every single boundary that they are allowed to under the fielding restrictions for all 120 balls, basically, then the question becomes, well, what are the, what is the bowling side prepared to concede? And the bowling side is essentially prepared to concede a single every ball. So the 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 the, the question becomes, well, what is the batter doing that goes beyond that? You know, so and this is not the case in one day cricket. Now, in one day cricket, scoring rates are at about a one a ball or just below. So this bowling sides are not always conceding a, a single every ball. You know, that's partly forced on them because now they have to have five fielders inside the circle for 40 overs. But <laughs> partly also that scoring rates are not that high, right? So this is why a single in a T20 game and a single in an ODI game are not the same thing. You know, that I mean, there's no bowler in T20 who is not happy when he goes for only one and one ball. Whereas a bowler, Anil Kumble went for six singles in a in an ODI over, that would he would be really mad about it. He doesn't want, that's not a good result for him. Whereas in a T20 game, that's a brilliant result for him. You know, he's won that over. He's basically won every single ball in that over. You know, so if you're, if a batter is just pushing singles, then there's no, he's basically accepting what the bowling side is offering. And there's, he's conceding that delivery to the opposition, essentially. And so that's why the whole 50 average is not such a big deal, you know, because it's, relatively easy to average 50 if you score play slow enough you know, because nobody's trying to get you out in your assertion the only thing that i can think of arguing about is that you are essentially saying it's better if a batsman who's 18 of 12 balls gets out before he goes on to make 36 of 24 essentially uh, the same strike rate but you know uh, once he arrives at 150 uh, and he stays at 150. That suboptimal is what you're saying. Well, if you if you accept the premise that a, a batter who's in longer is set more or whatever, right? Let's let's say that's true, right? If that's true, then the batter should keep trying to score quicker and quicker, you know. And of course, there's a ceiling to that, you know. The the curve sort of flattens out beyond a point, right? And I I think from all the data we know, it, it flattens out somewhere around two runs per ball. Uh, you know, beyond that, players are not able to score much quicker than that, realistically. You know, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think the players should try to keep pursuing like two runs per ball. Now, there are other things that come into it, like matchups and whatnot. And there may be sort of compulsions within the game where, you know, they, there is a value in a player, you know, 
seeing off a slow left arm orthodox bowlers over uh, right hander seeing off that because you know there are six overs of medium fast bowling to come and the the batter is really good against medium fast bowling. then yeah okay then take singles from the slow left arm orthodox and wait for those overs that's fine but that's that's not what that's not what these guys are doing you know these guys are basically playing t20 like it's an odi for a long time you know in the middle overs they push singles then they wait for the 13th or 14th over before they start attacking that's just you're giving up see every time you push a single in a t20 game you basically conceded 5% of the of the innings you know roughly whatever one out of one out of 120 this is some less than five just less than five right or what or whatever a, a, a large part of the innings let's say hmm no but see that's the point so now from arguing from let's say uh, an 18 of 12 balls and 36 of 24 just sticking to that example if that guy gets out earlier uh, because he's not able to uh, you know uh, accelerate more well, wouldn't that be an unfair expectation that the next guy would do that like the conditions and the bowling also dictate how fast the batters hit right it's not and also the risks that the batters take uh, it's not a guaranteed it's always a 50 50 that it might come or come off or not so so there is no way to determine while the guy is going on in that strike rate that you know it is slower faster you can only say that it is slower faster after the event not during the event right because you don't know what is the baseline for that condition and the amount of risks these guys take yeah but come on conditions don't vary that much in t20 man i mean that, that how many how many t20 games do you see where the score the score is less than or on a ball you know it, it is always you know the score in t20 is always you know if the if the batsman slog and it comes off uh, they make 200 and if they slog and it doesn't come off they make 150 you know that that's that's 90 95% of all t20 games you know you you cannot you, you cannot sort of say that a, the logic of the format is shaped by the outliers of the format no it's that's not that's not what the logic of the format does right that's like saying no, but- that's like saying well that's like saying how do you how how do you why why pick five bowlers in a test match right if you don't really know whether a test the pitch is going to help uh, you know four fast bowlers or three spinners you know you don't know how the pitch is going to play so so why not why why not hey, always hedge your bets play only for three bowlers or four bowlers, whatever you can't no, really think but like, you're still say see okay fine if you say even say other things remain equal you're still saying that this guy is suboptimal and him losing a wicket would be beneficial post a certain amount of time because the next guy will come and probably hit it faster no no, no that, i'm not no i'm not saying that i'm saying he should keep trying to score quicker and quicker you know that he is keep trying to hit the ball to the boundary basically you know there's there is there's no percentage in not trying to do that you know because when the next guy comes in the bowling side is still going to defend boundaries against the next guy it's not like they're going to put three slips on a gully to the next guy no hmm yeah but uh, the point about the uh, scoring kartikeya is that when you're trying to put up a score of 150 in 20 overs or one, okay let's say 180 in 20 overs and 220 in 20 overs uh, there's still it's a 40 run gap but the approach is still vastly different right 
like the way you would go about um you you may not go about hitting every ball in that uh, when you're trying 170 to 180 range but 220 you would probably i mean because you have to go at close to two runs a i mean whatever uh, you have to go at around two runs a ball you would want to do that right that the approach the hitting the batting approach changes in the in that frame yeah sure i mean teams can decide that but so what i mean that's still settling that's still saying okay we'll we'll we'll, we'll make 170 uh Yeah, that's but then just, they're winning the match. No, I mean that's what I'm saying. Are, I mean, are they winning the match? I don't know. I mean, it's not. It's no, not no, clear I, that they are going to win the match. When the entire ecosystem operates like this, right? It's not like there's one team. Okay, there are some exceptions, but on an average, every team has a chair of batsmen. And and when you are competing, let's say if there's a KL Rahul on one side and Rohit Sharma on one side and Virat Kohli on another side or whatever, you would like to believe that there's. you know you play for 170 and they're going to like they're designed to play for 170 and then you kind of back yourself to win i don't think they ever say at the start of the innings okay we are going to go for 170 i think they played by ear right? i think if if they start if they start off and they get to a like 70 for one in the power play then they're going to try and push for whatever they can get i don't i don't i think I don't. I don't really think there's any evidence to suggest that any of these teams are saying, "Okay, today we are going to settle for 170, or tomorrow we need 200, or anything." Sure, like sure, sure. But even if they decide in the tenth over, right? Even if they assess the conditions and decide in the tenth or twelfth over, obviously they would want more than 170. I mean, it's uh, every team wants as much as they can get. But I'm saying if they draw a certain, if they say, "Okay, we minimum need 170," they are not going to hit every ball. Yeah, but if they are going to leave. that 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 just means that they've decided that they can't really hit the the percentages of hitting are lower you know yeah, that doesn't mean exactly. that, that that doesn't mean that they're conceding deliveries no that that just means that they don't think they can hit that's different from saying well you know let's just save keep wickets in hand for the last six overs that's that's not what they're doing over there you know and yeah. in any case the evidence suggests that in a chase uh one wicket in the 10th over one extra wicket in the 10th over is worth about 8 to 9 runs so if you are chasing a total and you're uh 70 for no loss uh then you're better off being 85 for 2 is basically uh compared to 70 for no loss yeah yeah but you're not better off being 75 for 2 got it so that extra 15 runs and the it makes up for those wickets yeah, yeah. that's that's part of but that goes against what you're saying just now right just 70 for no loss and 10 overs you better off trying to score much and then being 85 for 2 rather than 70 for no loss right no but no, the point no no he said it's worse off uh, 70 for no loss is better than being is, 85 is, It's equal is equal. He said it's equal. Oh, okay. Ah, okay, got it. Yeah. He said 75 for two is worth. 75 for two is equal. Yeah. Mm. That's what that's what the figures suggest right now. The the expected win percentage of both chasing about 175 or 180 is equal. After I think the ninth over or whatever, I looked it up at some point. Mm. Okay, I have two fundamental questions to ask, and this is not just to Karthikeya, to all uh, all of us here. That whatever he is talking about to me seems fairly straightforward from the design of the format. 
Now, why is it that what he says is so controversial? Because people hound him on Twitter for everything that he says. Uh, I don't understand. Perhaps Ashoka, as a keen watcher of IPL, you can you can. No, first of all, first of all, maybe what he's saying is rational or not is another point. But he is saying it. You understand? I emphasize on he. He's saying it is different, but. Whoever is saying it matters, right? Like no, and the crucial thing is one of the points that is uh, sort of substantiating his uh, assertion is that Kohli is a bad T20 player. So yeah. automatically, that uh, people cannot accept that, right? I mean, that is the issue, which which I think we should talk about a bit because uh, okay, Mahesh, what is your second fundamental question? Then we can talk. I really wanted to highlight this point uh, when you're talking about Kohli and uh, and Babar Azam, which he's talked about quite a lot. Is that in fact he gives them credit? You know, one he's taking, he's he's saying they're not they're not even good T20 batsmen, which is fine. But he's giving them credit by saying because they're batsmen, they they just can't you know let themselves go and hit. Right? How is that credit? How is that credit no, for no, an RCB okay, fan who say who's waiting like 15 years for his team to lift the trophy for Kohli to lift the trophy? You are coming along and saying no, no, he's not fit for this format. No, no, that it's, guy it's very, will want to bury you, no. No, it's very problematic. If you're an, if you're primarily an RCB fan, you shouldn't really be defending Kohli. You should be joining KD and saying, let's sack Kohli, right? If that's your primary identity. But here, I think most of people's primary identity is I'm a cricket fan, I'm a Kohli fan, Kohli's uh, fan as a batsman, and then an RCB fan. So that's the, the hierarchy that you I see. Have, you have gone to sleep in 2005 and you're just waking up right now. You go back talking about Vishwanath and whatnot you're talking about. No, no, no. Don't okay. even uh, come and listen, say... Listen. I'll come to that. That so, you pretend I, to understand what a current uh, cricket fan is. I, I was reading one of KD's pieces before coming here. And in fact, I just absolutely love the choice of words that he used in that. He talks about England's approach to T20 and before that West Indies uh, uh, approach to T20. And he calls it orthodox. He says that is orthodox T20. Right? When a batsman is going, uh, trying, attempting to go at 180 strike, right? that is actually orthodox T20. That is what you're supposed to do. So this whole idea of what is orthodox is defined by what you're supposed to do for that format. right? What these people are doing are the ones which is kind of against the grain. Right? It is not orthodox. So we are just mixing things up. First of all, see, to answer your question one, neither you nor Kartigaya have ever bled red in your life. Not the blood, the RCB bleeding red. You have never done it in your life. So you'll not understand. Second of all, who, who gives you the right to come and talk about Kohli? Do you know that guy has 15 every format, average? Huh? Do you know that it's been 1000 days that uh, people yeah. have been crying and you know, offering pujas in temple for him to hit centuries. You no, no, don't know I any of that shit. You just come and say, is this the, is... Yeah. That is the partisan uh, argument, which, okay, that uh, will be there in every sport, every format. But uh, there is seems to be actually like a counter-argument with the fact that, you know, packing a team with uh, six, or seven or eight hitters is actually... Uh, you know, leads to like is actually not as good as having one or two anchors in there. Like there is this anchor concept, right? Like especially if you're chasing, people will say you need an anchor to actually be there to so that the, everybody else can hit around them. Otherwise, everybody they will just collapse in a heap and the team will get out for uh, less than hundred in every match and all that. So that seems to be the uh, so like the so-called counter to this argument. So what is the what is the answer to that? At least, at least Pakistan. Pakistan at least 
they have acknowledged that you know they have they are going with this method whether the method is right or wrong is up for debate and since the guy they have identified to be the anchor is barbarism and since barbarism has like fanatical fan base so when we say that he's actually slowing down he's very he's a bit slow for t20 he might not be a suitable candidate for t20 hitter it makes people's uh, you know blood boil that is true but i think it's that, also like pakistan play a bulk of their games in uh, uae right and there are conditions in uae where you know you need this kind of like uh, that world cup we saw like rizwan also turned out to be an anchor in uh, games babar turned out to be an anchor so they, it worked for them but that doesn't mean it will necessarily work everywhere right i mean if they if they play games in say australia who knows if that same situation is going to work for them hmm babar babar to an extent i'm not trying to be a kohli fan or what not but babar has a sub 130 strike rate across in his t20 career at least kohli is like 130 135 something like that so that is comparable to an ian morgan or a martin captil who if they turn up for a t20 you would not say they are out of place right so That yeah. is where his point is extremely valid. That even though you are of the same strike rate, but if your average is higher, you are worse. You are worse than the other two. Correct. 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 I don't. I don't disagree. But uh, I am saying, like in preliminary analysis only, Babur is out. No, but the the point is that to say that Kohli or Babur or Smith or any of these really really top batsmen are average T Twenty players is a point about T Twenty. It is not a point about them. No, but. you know it's hard to make that point to uh, someone who thinks in terms of you know the glory of kohli or smith or whoever you know i mean so that that's just a twitter noise that's not really significant you know i mean in the sense look you know gordon renage and desmond haynes were very very successful one day openers in their era but they were also wildly inefficient one day openers you know they scored extremely slowly and the next generation of one day openers demonstrated that they scored extremely slowly you know gordon renish has scored at like they both scored at about somewhere between 60 and 65 runs per 100 balls you know and that's why kohli is basically in international t20 kohli i think is basically what desmond haynes or gordon renish were you know he's not he's not what bev richards was in odi you know in it in, in he's not in t20 he's not there isn't like a T20 equivalent of ODI of of Viv Richards in T20 internationals yet. There isn't a player who's that far ahead of his time. AB uh, De Villiers, no. AB De Villiers comes close, but you know his great achievements are all in you know IPL and uh, League uh, T20. He, he hasn't really played that much for South Africa. I mean, international T20. First of all, the samples will be pretty small, right? I mean, I don't know how much they, they don't really. that much you know i mean he's yeah. but he's only got 1600 international t20 runs you know i mean he's a good record you know he averages 26 and he gets out once every 19 balls so <coughs> but yeah i mean he's not a i mean viv richards had an amazing odi record i mean viv richards's odi record is phenomenal even today yeah i mean viv richards basically went at a strike rate of uh, that kohli goes at and averaged pretty much what rohit sharma averages so you know that is quite stunning for a guy who played in the 70s and 80s so 
Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, so far ahead of his contemporaries. Yeah. But, but the question about the coming back to the batters and the composition of the side, I mean, is it optimal? Is it more, more than optimal? Is it uh, a successful uh, strategy before like a tournament or a game? to have to go with like seven eight batters and to not have that kohli babar smith that batsman in the middle at all irrespective of where you're playing or is a lot of it condition based or you say okay this is how this is the game and this is how we go well i mean look what is what is the anchor going to do the anchor is going to what see off two overs three overs at the most the, i mean he's going to push singles for i mean anybody can do that against this field you know that's not really you don't really need kohli to do that for you you know i mean surya kumar yadav could do that or you know i don't know pick your you know paul wal thati could probably do that i don't know like that's that's not i don't know that's i just pick him i don't know the past. paul wal thati record is i just know because our friend subhash thinks uh, you know he played one of the flukiest innings in the history of innings uh in one of the ipl games at one one of the time. great one of the great innings one, ever in ipl history yeah. he once spent half an hour explaining to me about this innings that's why that name is in my head but see look if you want an anchor then play the anchor at 6 no so why why play the anchor at the top of the order you, you go start hitting if it doesn't work then find find some guy to see off a few overs at 6 you know You need an anchor if you're 30 for three, not if you're not at the beginning. Why anticipate that you're going to flop? Yeah, and, and uh, I will link that piece that you wrote about the essential point of uh, T20, where you had that very interesting table where you had uh, Kohli, Rohit, AB, Gale, Babar, and Butler, and you basically, you know, did that uh, average. How did what what do you call it? The percentage of the average score. So, and you basically showed that you know how. how they pro- the innings progresses and someone like ab de villiers is basically in the positive he's in the uh, you know in the he's scoring quickly throughout his innings but someone like kohli and babar for the majority of the innings they are in the red and it's yeah, only kohli like red. after yeah kohli like after ball 37 or something is when he gets into the blues now the yeah, question is whether I, it the, the point is that he doesn't survive up to ball 37 in the overwhelming majority of his innings you see he get out he gets out before he gets to ball 37 in the overwhelming majority of innings that's the that's the reason why it's such a problem no i mean the the it, it's it, the idea that he is digging a hole for himself and then once in about four or five innings he gets out of the hole but in the other three or four times he doesn't get out of the hole no he gets out in the hole correct yeah that's that's the point that you make in the piece but at the same time jos butler is like the reverse like he is in the blue till ball 41 and then he gets into the red for the re- till ball 47 that's not really that's not really serious because there are very very few innings that he survives beyond 41 balls so okay okay yeah it's a very small percentage of his innings no okay okay yeah yeah and and gale is interesting because i always thought gale will be more like kohli in this regard where he takes some 20 30 balls to thing but actually gale after ball 13 he's all in the positive so he pretty much takes those 13 balls and then he's he's gone he's in his gale on his is, way gale is absolutely like 
built in the lab to be a T20 player. You know, he's the closest thing to, to the Viv, he's closest thing to the Viv Richards of T20. You know, because he basically doesn't take the quick single at all. He just stays on strike, and if he stays on strike for three or four balls, he's going to hit a couple of boundaries. You know, uh, and you know, one of those boundaries is going to be a six because he's that off. So, I mean, Gale is going to play four or five balls in over and hit two boundaries. You know, one of which will be a six. So, so that's a that's a vastly more efficient way of playing T20 than pushing singles all the time. Yeah, actually, somebody asked Gail once about uh, the fact that he does rarely takes singles and if he doesn't like to run and all. He said, no, no, it's nothing about nothing, not liking to run. But he said this whole concept of getting set, right? Like people think getting set means taking a single and going to the other end. But for him, getting set is just being def- like defending the ball or leaving the ball and being at the same end. So that after yeah. three balls, he can hit the ball for six. So that is getting set for him. And that is an interesting way to look at it because traditionally... You say it's getting set means, you know, the Gavaskar method of get your blood circulation going, go to the other end and come back. That is all like a totally different yeah. idea of getting set. Oh, by the time you do that, no? Yeah, the game is done. <laughs> but that's a, that's a part of Liam Livingston is also like that. No, I mean, he, he's, he's, he's basically, he, he doesn't have any of this getting set business. You know, he picks his spots and he, he, he scores boundaries, you know. That, that, that is one other thing in T20, you know, I mean, it's not just that, you know, uh, Mahesh was talking about, you know, batsmen might feel liberated, you know, I mean, okay, up to a point, but it's not a question of liberation. No, it's a question of, you know, deliberately trying to score boundaries, you know, that doesn't just mean hit the ball hard, that means hit the ball to a part of the field where there isn't a field on the boundary, you know, that's why they're all cultivating these, you know, scoops and reverse sweeps and, uh, you know, uh, whatever lap shots, and you know they're able to hit from you know the fifth stump outside off stump or mid wicket, and they're able to back away to leg and you know open the face of the bat and hit over third man from outside leg stump and all that. That's all cultivated. You no, know? that they're, they're trying to learn, or you know the whole you know trying to hit the short ball straight over mid on, you know by staying beside the line of the ball. Uh, those are all like. That's not liberation. No, that's just a that's just hitting. That's that's a different art. You know, it's a it's a it's a different way of thinking about what the bowler is doing. Yeah, and it's that, also it's a different art, and it's also a different uh, sort of mindset, right? Like, see, the yeah. the big problem here is that T uh, Twenty doesn't have its own like sort of ground up infrastructure and system yet. I mean, they're still where are, where are the teams picking from? They're picking from uh, under-19s and under-17 state sides, right? And those players are coming up batting. They are not coming up hitting because they are playing their typical, uh, you know, the junior age group level games and all that. And for them to actually make it to the senior side, like if an under-17 player has to make it to the under-19 team, he has to actually score a lot of runs, which means he has to bat. So yeah. it's not like that's how he's getting recognized. But then he's coming into a T20 setup where... He has to hit and where getting out is part of the system, where he has to take it into his head that if he, he, he getting out is actually good at times and not necessarily bad. So that is the whole shift that is coming. I mean, it's not, had T20 had its own kind of ecosystem, then the format would have gone places that 
we are, it's not even gone now. I mean, it would have just gone so far ahead that we would be not even talking about all this. We would be talking about something totally, entirely different. Yeah, and if you start picking in terms of like picking spots and things like that, then the whole idea of bowling also changes, no? Because see, <laughs> suppose you have a field set where you have all the fielders on the boundary on the leg side and none of the fielders on the boundary on the offside or one on the offside and four on the leg side, right? That already tells you where the boundary is available and therefore it tells you what lines and lengths the bowler is likely to bowl. You know, so now suddenly nobody is defending the top of off stump. You know, uh, nobody is trying to beat the vertical edge of the bat, uh, the edge of the vertical bat, or anything like that anymore. You know, what they're trying to do is they're trying to, you know, defeat the batsman's ambition of trying to hit a boundary. You know, that that's why the whole you know the full wide, uh, you know, ball bowl very close to the yaw to the wide wide spot. That's a very good ball achievement. And it's very hard to bowl that accurately, you know, that, that still requires control, you know, but it's still, I mean, the, 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 the sort of the, the amount of risk the batters are taking or the amount of, you know, the, the sort of the single-mindedness that this batters attempt to hit a boundary is so much that, you know, it is not unusual for a bowler to go for like 45 in four overs on one day and get, you know, three for 15 on the next day. And it's not that the bowlers bowled better on the second day compared to the first. It's just that, you know, the chances have not come off on the second day while the chances did come off for the batter on the first. You know, so it, it, it's, <laughs> it's a highly noisy game in that sense. You know, but it's, it's, it is very much a, a contest. And I think the whole point of this conversation is to pinpoint what that contest is, you know, so that you can sort of begin to see it for what it is rather than, you know, trying to sort of impose some sort of logic of cricket on it. You're saying that unlike in a test match where the bowler is basically initiating the action and, you know, his length and his, uh, the sort of the, what he is bowling is dictating what is coming. In T20, you're saying the contest is looking at it from the batsman's perspective and the chances he's taking, right? Rather than what the bowler is initiating. No, correct. Uh, also, the bowler's leverage is reduced because the batter is uh, doesn't care about getting dismissed as much, right? The price, the, the bowler has leverage in test cricket because batters care about getting dismissed. Like batters don't want to get dismissed, right? So that is why bowlers are able to, you know, if the bowler bowls a bad, a good ball, then the batter has to respect it and has to hope that he survives it. You know, whereas in T20, that's not the case. No, batter doesn't care about getting out. You know, it, it's, I mean, you know, Jaspreet Bumrah may bowl the absolute perfect Yorker, but, you know, if by the time he bowls it, the batsman is like two steps down the pitch and out, you know, three stumps outside off stump and trying to play a scoop, then what Yorker, man? <laughs> but that could, but that could happen in test too, right? But you're saying it, the mindset will not allow the batsman to do that, is it? What, what is the issue no the issue is that uh, in test cricket uh, the the value of a wicket is far too high no if you do that for a jasprit bumrah yorker and you lose the wicket that is far more impactful than in a t20 
because you have far more resources for far less of a time than in got a it, test. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. So your chances of doing that in a test are far lower. I mean, unless the situation absolutely demands it, it's far lower than it would be in like a T20 game. Got it. Kerry, why don't you finish off the point and, and uh, define it as a contest? What is that? You, you still admit there is a contest there. So what is that contest? Of course, there's a contest there. It's that uh, batsmen are trying to score boundaries and bowlers are trying to stop them. That's the contest. And right, like so. If, for instance, if all let's assume that T20 evolves into a, a place where the majority of teams are packed with just hitters, and and these are people who who grew up just hitting, right? From their day one of practice, they just grew up hitting. Uh, when it gets to that point, uh, is it realistically possible for us to say there will be some specialist T20 bowlers that exist or it's as good as a feeder machine? I mean, right now they do exist. Uh, that's because there's still a fairly good inefficient pocket of non-hitters out there uh, that you can prevent them from hitting boundaries uh, r- relatively easier as against uh, good hitters. So, what would be the role of bowlers in that sort of hyper-efficient future? I I don't really know. Uh, I mean, that's a sort of coaching question. I mean, it, I don't. It's it's an open question. I think whether uh, you know T uh, twenty batters need to be cultivated from sort of the age of twelve or whatever it is, you know, or whether batsmen can learn uh, you know batting and then just uh pick up test cricket uh, uh pick up normal batting and then you know cultivate hitting later on a lot of players have done that you know i mean livingston and company have done that in a sense so i don't i don't really know whether it is a whether it is a whether it is really a, a big de- a, a question of you know that i mean i think that's sort of a there's an element of a turf war in that uh, in that in that discussion, no? Do you at least concede that there are specialist T20 bowlers who have an edge over other bowlers because they are more adept at stopping boundaries, or they have more options to stop batsmen and hitters from scoring boundaries? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, there aren't that many players who are playing both formats, so we don't really know, no? I mean, I think you have Rashid Khan as an example. As a prototype yeah. example, I mean, Rashid Khan uh, sort of reminds me of Saklen Mushtaq a lot, you know, uh, in one day cricket in the 90s. You know, for a while, Saklen Mushtaq was basically unplayable in one day in the 90s. Uh, and that was because, you know, nobody was reading which way he was turning it. And uh, this was a real problem. And he was getting bucket loads of wickets, you know, and he was like, uh, you know, Ajanta Mendes was that way for like six months. And you know, Saklain Mushtaq was like that for like four years. And Saklain Mushtaq used to often bowl in the last over, like the death over. Yeah. So hitting him was almost impossible for a while because, uh, I mean, you know, you can probably play him out if you need to. But if you if you, if you have to hit him, then he used to get people used to invariably get out. Yeah. No, I mean yeah. the response to the response to efficiency increase in efficiency in batting is is the is the tra- move away from traditional bowling metrics of you know uh, 
getting wickets and what not wickets might be a consequence of not giving away boundaries rather than you know some planned event of you know taking so what uh, is that metric that says uh, he stopped the most number of boundaries like how do you it, it's not a number of dot balls the number of dot balls is one uh, your, your uh, runs per over is another which which are fairly straightforward indicators that you accumulated a lot of non boundary balls and also prevented the batting team from you know uh, yes taking too many risks or if they took risks they were all unsuccessful to that extent i feel that yeah ashwin is also a great t20 bowler uh, uh, if you see his record it's not that stellar and what not uh, but i think he, he, not as stellar as rashid khan but he is a phenomenal t20 bowler bhuneshwar kumar is another that comes to mind uh, bumrah obviously so there are people who who have changed their way of you know uh, attack in response to in response to the batting uh, mode uh, where the 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 prize is on scoring as many boundaries as possible so then your bowling and the way you bowl is a response to that and also there is this new thing called matchups where you save you you choose particular bowlers in a particular set of conditions for a particular set of batsmen so that is a further hyper specialization over and above whatever we have talked about so then you have bowlers only for certain amount of batsmen where you bring them on uh, like dk now comes to bat only after the 15th over so in response to that there may be you know teams who are trying to bowl spinners to him uh, in the death overs we don't know but that may happen so i think uh, it's the reverse of test cricket where you know the bowling responds to whatever the the batter's intent is well perhaps but you know i mean that is still a it's still a question of you know if if a if a bowler is a specialist against say lefties or something like that that's still a more limited bowler than someone who can bowl at both lefties and righties no so that's still a lesser bowler in a sense because the that bowler is effective in a in a smaller subset of uh, all possible you know conditions that may arise right but matchups is a very very specific case right like this batsman uh, traditionally is not that great against let's say left arm spinner so when whenever this batsman comes in or if this batsman is in the 11 make sure to have one left arm option so that that that's kind of what uh, specialization uh, the, the the specific specificity of that uh, contest is and that's what matchups mean right these days yeah but that's still a that's still a you'd still rather have uh, you know uh, four bowlers who can who are good against all types of bow- batters no i mean the matchups arise because there aren't that many good bowlers if that's not the matchups don't arise because uh, the specialists are specializing in to such a level that they can't do other things you know it's because uh, they can't they're not, not really that good at other things yeah it's not it's okay to draw the analogy uh, it's not like the left arm pitcher in baseball who will come and you know towards the say the 8th or 9th inning specifically meant to do that it's not that same thing right it's like basically uh, people who are better at bowling against left handed batters than right handed batters so okay let's use them now like that 
the point is that bowlers in T20 haven't got that many options, you know, because you see the number of fielders are the same, the number of uh, the way runs are counted are the same, the run, the the side of the ground is the same, right? If if you imagine a situation in which like you know there was like a gun T20 bowler who was like you know finding a way to go for three and over as a rule in T20 cricket, you know that bowler would play Test cricket. You know, because that bowler would be doing something extraordinary. Because that bowler would be finding efficiencies where there aren't any efficiencies, uh, the, where other people are not able to find those efficiencies. You know, so uh, the range of runs that a bowler concedes in T20 is anywhere between like six and over and twelve and over. Uh, you know, that's a wildly huge range. You know, and that suggests that basically bowlers haven't got much of a choice. In T20, they've got a very, very narrow window of op- narrow sliver of options in which they can bowl and hope that the batter doesn't score a boundary. You know, and you know, and you know all the ones, all the sort of classic ways in which bowlers do that now. They bowl the wide full ball, or they bowl the slow bouncer, or they bowl the quick bouncer with the with the field back. You know. Or you know they they bowl the the what's it called the the back of a length they hit the pitch and try to hit the batsman basically in the midriff uh, you know and hope that the batsman is not you know sitting back and waiting slogging over mid wicket you know it, it's a game of it's it's a game of guessing you know there are there are basically two or three lengths that the batsman is expecting like two or three line or length combinations that the batsman is expecting given what the field is and. You hope that you bowl the one which is the batsman is not expecting the most, and you hope the batsman doesn't adjust clean up to it, still hit you to the boundary. And it's not like there aren't. It's it's it isn't like there is a you know in test cricket there is sort of you there are different ways in which you can become like really lethal. You know you can you can be metronomic, you can be like extremely aggressive uh, and attacking all the time if you have you know enough pace. Uh, but in in t20 cricket it's not i mean it's not a question of you know it, what is a specialist t20 bowler i think the question is like the the scope is very very narrow in t20 for bowlers firstly they are only bowling four overs also i think the question is as you have mentioned quite often is what is a good t20 ball right i think it's the only way to define a good t20 okay. ball as you've said is with the result is not with the action it's with the reaction right yeah but you see that, that that's where sort of the whole uh, you know bowling to your field thing comes in you know where and bowling to your field doesn't mean what it means in test cricket bowling to your field means bowling where it's hardest for the batsman to send you to the boundary you know and i think there is some evidence to show that if you do that consistently enough then you go to the boundary less often than other uh, or in t20 cricket unlike in baseball the the batter can still get four even if the ball doesn't go where the batter wants to hit it no but this is why it is so terrible to push singles because that is the one guaranteed way in which the bowler you know make can can get away with bowl, going for third 25 28 in four overs you know if so so the they should really you know cricket for measures control i think cricket for should have another and this is a beautiful binary metric really elegant uh and i think we've talked about it before i've definitely talked about it on another my the other podcast uh but 
they should have a, another sort of metric analogous to control which is called attempted countries and then this is basically the question that the metric should answer is that given the field setting and given where the ball was bowled did the batsman attempt to score a boundary or not you know and the answer to that is either yes or no and you keep dallying that for each ball and i think that will tell you a lot about t20 a lot more about t20 than a lot of these very heavy duty metrics that they have you know where they are basically enumerating well he played a cover drive he played a on drive he played this he played that it doesn't matter you see it doesn't matter whether it's a cover drive or not if it's a cover drive and there are two sweeper covers then he is not attempting to score a boundary so basically they can just uh, tweak that control measure and say that if he is in control and beats the field right or or, or is, is trying to score at a place where there is no fielder that is pretty much in control in t20 right no 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 control is where if the ball goes where the bowler batsman intends control is fine control is works in its present form control works for t20 as well as but control in the sense if a batsman is pushing a single the batsman is in control right but he is only pushing a single but yeah what i want to know is firstly is the batsman in control or not secondly what is the batsman attempting is the batsman attempting to score a boundary or not and that's a yes yeah. or no question right so i want to know whether you know in the first 10 balls how many times does kohli attempt to score a boundary you know and it makes a difference in the long run whether it's three balls or whether it's six balls yeah that's true so which which brings me to this formula that you were talking and, about in terms of uh, you know uh, how like the be- the one way to measure a good t20 uh, player like a batter hitter or a batter whatever so this formula that you have is what first unit is boundary run scored divided by balls faced and you multiply that with the second unit which is boundary run scored divided by uh, boundary run scored per dismissal per the number yeah. of times you've been dismissed okay and in that you have this list where chris gale and andre russell evan lewis alex hales i mean these are all like the top people in this list and uh, i don't even see virat kohli or babar azam or smith or anyone in this list anywhere in the top 20 so i see sehwag actually which yeah. is interesting he's pretty he's there quinton de cock surya kumar yadav brendan mccallum yeah so yeah this and and yeah, to and correct. i don't see this measure on tv at all and uh, i think this is far more elegant than say strike rate because at least it's telling you uh, the boundary runs scored by a player in that given time that he has been there in the middle yeah i mean actually it's sort of the the boundary runs per ball faced is the sort of the purest measure yeah i mean i definitely and i think this, that should be much more widely used boundary run scored other... per ball faced is one thing why do you want to multiply it with boundary run scored with dismissal divided by dismissal because why i is... want to see, uh, because the see the dismissal is a consequence of attempting boundaries no so i want to see how how often the attempted boundary is successful see the first measure is measuring how frequently boundaries are attempted right 
and the second measure is measuring it's not it's not really elegant it's a little clumsy that's why i i tend to prefer just the first part of it but you know the second part of it is useful i think okay okay so the number the higher the number the better the t20 batsman is it yeah from what i guess correct okay see there are basically among the players who have four uh, made uh, among players who have scored at least 4000 t20 runs there are uh, only a few who boundary runs per ball faced is more than one which is basically they're scoring more more than a run ball just from bounds okay no that doesn't make sense if you score a boundary you're already scoring more than run a ball right anyways it means yeah. that you're scoring it means if if your if your boundary runs per ball space is greater than 1 it means you're scoring a better than a run a ball just from boundaries oh okay okay in your innings okay yeah cool so you are not in need of uh, singles is what you say yeah yeah but so among players with at least 4000 t20 runs Uh, this is like t20 and t20 internationals combined uh among the players who have made at least 4000 runs uh, in this these two formats uh there are only eight who have a uh, this record you know russell gale lewis evan lewis luke ronchi virendra sehwag paul sterling alex hales and richard levi and there are a few who are close you know there are you know nicolas puran tisara perera crislin afridi livingston maxwell roy uh, surya kumar yadav rishabh pant these are all players who are pretty close by i mean they are very very they are very they are among the more efficient boundary hitters going in t20 but you know they they are not going to make anybody's list of like okay apart from gale and maybe russell they are not going to make anybody's list of great t20 players no okay the two of you uh, sidhi had to leave uh, for some work so we're going to finish it with just the two of them picking let's say the top 3 t20 hitters that they'll pick in that day ashoka you first top 3 yeah, uh, yeah all time fairly fairly easy so it's uh, gale it is russell and uh, i would uh, pick shardul <laughs> why why not no only mortals no okay God. mortals uh, so gail russell and uh, uh, probably i would pick sevak uh, uh, leaving aside the ones that um, ashoka already picked i'd say uh, maxwell livingston and puran there you go yours mahesh since you watch uh, so little t20 you should say babar asam kohli and uh, who rohit sharma <laughs> oh of course rohit sharma how because we went to we went an entire podcast with you and we didn't say take the name even in joke so we should finish with that kind of name no i mean it's i did watch quite a bit of uh, t20 in the early days and i still watch Uh, the highlights, at least. So I know Andrew Russell is in a category of his own. I do know that Chris Gayle was was the pioneer in T20. So I'm going to pick the two of them. 
the third one i'll probably go with rishabh pant not a bad pick but uh, yeah but uh, all of us uh, missed ab devilliers so that should be a nice you know i would i would have picked ab devilliers but i'm really picking from data because i haven't really seen enough of them in t20s yeah but the, the the point is i mean it's an interesting question you see because the point is there aren't like three players who are going to be better than any other three players see there's there's going to be lot of combinations of three players who are going to be roughly equally good because three is a very small number of players mm maybe next time when we do this we should do a 11 t20 11 No, we could have done eleven. I, I mean, I just asked three because I wanted to st- kind of see if the three are consistent choices. So, uh, Kerry, to extend on your point, let's say if if the if let's say, let's take IPL as an example. If IPL were to become uh, more efficient than what it is right now, which is you know there's a lot more hitting uh, than than batting that we see uh, even now once in a while. No, but, but do you think we, we have enough baseline of hitters for ten teams to be filled with as many hitters as they need mm-hmm. in eleven? well if it does become more efficient then it will mean that there are no i mean i i think it won't become more efficient until there are the odds of a bat- batter being a hitter is much more than the other way around but is it is it that uh, that simple for us to conclude or to to even think that a great batter should necessarily or what is necessarily but can perhaps easily get into hitting if he chooses to Well, yeah. I mean, it's a question of cultivating shots. No, I mean, it's a cult- it's a question of cultivating attacking shots. You know, I mean, M. Chetashwar Pujara is scoring 117, 120 balls in 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 a one-day match in England. You know, uh, clearly he can play shots when he wants to, but but the percentages are not in his favor, and so he's not convinced that he can he he can play those shots. Right, but when he's convinced, he does. it's not it's not a it's not a it's, i don't think it's an existential thing you know it's just you do one or the other and it's a question of whether you whether you ag- agree to do the other okay i think uh, we've discussed a fair bit on this and uh, we've covered quite a bit of ground on this uh, we've talked about these in in sort of bits and pieces in the past uh, podcast and of course uh, kerry talks about it all the time on twitter but it was uh, it was pretty good to get him in in one place and kind of uh get him to talk about his theories and 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 you know uh and clarify some of the things that uh, that you can't quite sort of get the full picture when he's when he's tweeting or sometimes even when he's writing a piece there are some questions that we can't quite ask in the middle of a piece so i'm glad we had the opportunity to do that thanks kedi for uh, for spending your time with us and elaborating your theories so uh, as always it was great fun talking with you thanks ashoka for joining uh as sidhi mentioned at the beginning of the uh, podcast please do uh um read uh, cricket beyond the bazaar which is our second publication as part of the uh i don't all out publishing venture we also published war minus the shooting earlier and we have quite a few la- books uh, coming up in the pipeline which uh, will keep you posted as uh, as uh, things come to fruition thanks a lot for listening to the podcast and thanks a lot for supporting the book venture as well thank you cheers bye 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 India have won the series they're going to get back for two India home lords goes wild